Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Unsanctioned Citizen. I am your hostess, Sheila Dean. I am uh, trying to look outside and I'm seeing, I'm seeing clouds and a partially cloudy, sunny, super sunny, hot day here in Austin, Texas. Very lovely and enjoyable for the oncoming fall. We're into fall transition, so I'm fully taking advantage of fall transition fashion and looking outside and I'm, I'm really enjoying my life here in Texas because between now and the time that I went on my vacation, which was awesome, it was so restful and cleansing because news is toxic and you know if you and we we all work so hard um to try to discover make new discoveries but assimilate like all the things that are going on in the world and it can give you this unreal unrealistic expectation that you kind of have to be you know omniscient you have to know all the things and and you can't you have to be selective Editors do this all the time. I have to, to be selective about the most important things that represent the publication. But on par with the things that I am tracking, and there are many, um, it, it winnowed down. And what, what's great about a vacation is that you can get so much clarity about the things that are really important to you uh, because by the time you're that exhausted, you feel like it's a it's a march for survival. So um, I slept a lot, and uh, I feel no guilt, no guilt whatsoever about taking taking a break from programming and you know producing news because there was just a glut of it, and uh, and and there were some successes too because um, I don't think that there is a lot of positive press on Worldcoin at this point. Um, and then MOSIP, which is another generation of similar identity schemes uh, through the Bill Gates Foundation, came through. So what's odd to me is there's this weird occurrence. There's this thing happening. And the thing that's happening is that I'm getting notifications on LinkedIn like to, you know, why don't you join Facebook and talk to Davos? And, uh, you know, for these, these highfalutin, you know, public policy positions that they would never hire me for. I, I don't have, like, a JD from Columbia or Yale. I'm not who they would pick, but they send me the job anyway. Uh, the other thing is, is okay, so that, that's the kind of job that, that, that LinkedIn decides to send me. Plus, I'm getting texts from people, unsolicited texts from the Gates Foundation, to apply for their scholarship. And I think what they're trying to say is like, we want you to join our team so that you don't destroy us. And, you know, I, I guess that's the only takeaway from this is because I think that God is with me at the end of the day because, you know, these systems and these people who've erected themselves in their self-interest and their artificial computing environments, cloud systems, space technologies, all of those things, they have erected themselves against the creator. And the creator of this, this planet, and of the people, and of the animals, and, the, and the, the, the flora and the fauna, is not okay with some scientist or group of scientists who self, self-baptize themselves in the idea that they can 
suddenly destroy it all. And I think that there will be a way for both the small and the great to intercept their plans. And they need to come rejoin humanity and stop <clears throat> stop trying to control human beings whom they've never met and whom are they are uninvested in otherwise. Um, you know, they, they have a great way of, of uh, flowering and prospering the people who work directly with them, but they are absolutely awful and savage to people outside of their little gated communities. The people inside of their gated communities, you know, they're asked to forfeit their own mind. Uh, they're constantly gaslit. They are, um, they're asked to obey indefinitely for things that don't, you know, don't really, you know, for insincere policies. It's like being a member of the old, uh, monarchical courts of Europe, and it, and it sucks. That's why people left. That's why, that's why white people left and came here and interrupted the, the peace and civility, uh, relatively, of, of native tribes who live here. So, we don't need this. You know, we don't need a return to serfdom. And that's all they've got. And every system that they've propagated up until this time has been some renewed interest of, you know, they, they want to rename it and repackage it, but it's colonialism. You know, or, you know, it's colonialism. They colonize someplace where they have no legitimate right to be. They say, well, these people here don't matter. And then they take their stuff. And then they say, well, now I'm king of everything because, and, and you shall be my serfs. And this is kind of like this repeating theme in human history. And the people who came over here were like, no, we're done with that. And the Enlightenment said, no, we're done with that. And they can't have a higher perspective if they can't embrace the principles of the Enlightenment and of liberty. And you can't do that unless you submit to the fact that there is a higher power than you. And they, they don't want a higher power than themselves. They want to be the higher power. The problem is, is that they'll never convince people like my listenership and me of this. And so they'll be infinitely defeated because we are submitted to the creator. And they are created beings. They're not different animals than us. And if they, let's just say for the sake of argument, they are different animals. They are still created things. They are still creations of the creator in this great umbrella of creation. And they are submitted to, to God. Sorry. You know, I know I will be offending atheists today. So take a number and go sit in the complaint club. Anyhow, uh, so that's my, my kind of my cold opener there. Um, you know, I really appreciate everybody who's participated in my, um, my audience in the past. And, and thank you for, for listening to the things that I have to say. I have some kind of, you know, there's a threat on the horizon. There's always threats on the horizon. I'm not surprised. Um, but I wanted to give a special forum to one of our uh, news partnership favorites. That would be uh, Matt Taibbi and America This Week with, with Walter Kern. Uh, the combo is a really funny uh, 
group, you know, they, they add levity to to the seriousness of these issues, and you need to have a sense of serious uh, a levity, a sense of humor about these things. Otherwise, you won't really get through it. So the way that I've gotten through it is that I have lost my sense of humor. And when I don't feel like I have a sense of humor about it, I take a step back and um, do research, cool off, you know, try, try to figure out what to do. Oh, by the way, um, I have discovered something that I think is a, a great, infinite good to anyone who is suffering from inflammation or toxicity uh, general and it will generally rest and reset your system give you a little adaptogenic stimulation a little little bit of caffeine uh, it's the yopon plant uh, I've discovered yopon tea and yopon tea is a holly relative a relative of the holly plant that lives close to the rivers here in Texas and in the southeastern United States and for a long, long time, Yopon tea was like the it thing before coffee. And coffee's awesome. I drink it every day. There's a cup of it on my desk right now. But Yopon tea is amazing. <laughs> and uh, it, for some reason, it got buried. Like nobody wanted to, to do it. So it's kind of mysterious how it happened. But you can get Yopon tea here in, um, in Texas. Just like you can get along in life without a COVID mask. So there was also this issue that emerged while I was out. <clears throat> several, actually. Among them was the, the tragedy of the, the burning of Lahaina. Which, you know, God bless those people. They are in, in great need of uh, remuneration for all the fires. And um, so one of the, the things that came up was there was one house on the Haina that did not get burned down. Um, at first it was attributed to the red wood that was used to build or kind of re-renovate the house. Re -reno renovate the house, the home that was uh, a historic home, over a hundred years old, uh, and, and summarily renovated and given a historical status. And what really saved the home was they had built a six to, to ten foot rock bed at the out, uh, out, outer perimeter of the house. So when the fires came, they, they would not have anywhere to go. So what I think people have done in California that have been successful against successive periods of wildfires they they have done this they they've built their homes with resilient uh fire resilient or fire retardant wood you can do that with um you know composite resins you know some of it might be chemical but it's supposed to be find find one that is made from natural resins kind of like what goes into the redwood tree because i don't think you can buy a lot of redwood unless you were really really moneyed uh, redwood is, is super expensive and it's a rare wood and they actually pulled it off the market in many cases. Anyhow, so, I mean, there's a lot of people suffering from, from wildfire and the strategy of this home was to use fire retardant wood and to also put the six to 10 foot, um, rock bed at the outside of their, their properties. 
And these are things that you can do. You can treat your the home with your the infrastructure of your home or the outward infrastructure of your home. If, if there is wood with a, a fire retardant resin and um, look into putting a rock wall or not a rock wall, rock bed. Because what they'll do is when the fire is coming, they'll soak that rock bed with water and then get the hell out of there. And then their, phone, their, their home will make it in most cases because it won't burn up the rock, you know, especially if it's soaked up with water. So that's been a, it's been a great strategy and it saved the one home on the Heine when everything else turned into powdery ash. So it does work. And uh, since there's a lot of concern over wildfires, I don't think the threat necessarily is going away. They can blame public officials and sue power companies and uh, people who had uh, errant gender reveal ceremonies. God, what a tragedy. I'll bet they never thought in a million years that when they did their gender reveal ceremony that it was going to cause a massive, massive problem. Those poor people and the poor people that, that were victims of the burning. They, it's just tragedy all around. Oh, deep breath. Anyhow. So um, keep your prayers high for the, the needs of people in the Gulf Coast who are always going to battle a hurricane or concurrent hurricanes this year in September every year so there it is um <clears throat> again really great to be with you so let's get into the the meat and potatoes i'm going to pull up this this um this America This Week segment cut out, and I'm going to have you review it, and then I'm going to comment on what I see. That way we're all kind of having a, a conference in a way, in, in, in a term, over the things that are happening, which I think is important. You know, the listeners and the audience are always invited to comment and to say and to speak their thoughts, um, especially if it's impacting you, especially if this is this is impacting you in some way. Um, but you know, I, I have some thoughts, and, and I'll follow up after we share. Matt Taibbi and Walter Kern. Uh, so this, in the last week or so, a series of things have happened that have dramatically advanced the landscape of internet censorship, speech suppression. The European Union, uh, their Digital Services Act went into force, and we're going to get into what that means because there's some aspects to that that should really freak out uh, anybody in the United States. But particularly if you live in Europe and you don't know what this is, uh, you're going to want to look up this law pretty quick because it's it's dramatic, and for Americans, it... it uh, it's it's clearly the future for us. I mean, this is what's coming. Um, but then here in the United States, we had a um, a number of incidents. There was well, there was an incident involving an American in Germany named C.J. Hopkins who got actually sentenced to sixty days in jail for um, a book cover that has a basically, basically an indistinguishable outline of a swastika on it that he was using 
critically not to endorse the Third Reich, but otherwise. Uh, so he, he actually got jail time for speech, a non-story in America. But the big thing was the gray zone. And we've talked before about interruptions to GoFundMe campaigns, but they, the gray zone, which is Max Blumenthal, Aaron Maté, sort of left-leaning, I guess, anti-war journalists, they had a like $125,000 fundraising campaign frozen for no reason at all. And there's a reason why this is different, but Walter, what was your reaction to this news? Because I, I lost it when I heard about this. Well, let's explain briefly what the gray zone is. Uh, the gray zone is a website uh, that reports on foreign affairs mostly, right? Um, war and peace, and does so rather critically of the U.S. establishment, and particularly what Mark Twain would call the war party. Right. Um, and uh, the sort of permanent uh, neocon, neoliberal, I don't know, neo-neo war party. It reports uh, critically, but using, I think, very high journalistic standards and has fine journalists associated with it. And as I understand it, they started to go fund me in order to sort of seed the careers at the gray zone of three journalists, younger journalists, um, who they were hoping to you know, get off the ground. And uh, that was the basis of the campaign. So what happened to it? And one of them was was Kit Clarenberg, who was detained in England a little while ago for eight hours at Heathrow, if you if you remember, mm-hmm. um, just for coming. They, they just he's he's, in, he's English. He came into the country and was questioned about his sort of views on Ukraine uh, on on the way in the country. So this was a it was a campaign to raise money to basically fund the reporting of Kit, uh, Kit Clarenberg, uh, Wyatt Reed, and I'm forgetting who the third person, it might be Anya Parampil, I can't, I can't remember, but they just froze it without any explanation. Um, well, they gave an explanation, external forces, they said. Uh, right. Ex- what, what does that mean? It means, uh, the man in terms of old, uh, you know, Motown music, it means the man or uh, uh, the powers that be. Uh, it's one of those spooky, uh, euphemistic explanations that they were supposed to understand, I think, implicitly. Now, just so that everybody can sort things into the right piles, is the gray zone a left-wing or a right-wing publication? I would say it's I would say it's left wing. Yeah, I, I would I say would that the, the 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 people who work there would certainly describe themselves as left wing. I think their politics yeah. are in that direction. Um, right. And you know, I, I, I talked to Max yesterday, Max Blumenthal, um, and he's obviously furious. He sees this as a just the latest, and in a way, he was almost casual about it because. They've dealt with a series of 
things beginning, you know, including the detention of their reporter, Kit Clarenberg. But also remember, Aaron Mate's name was forwarded by the FBI to Twitter um, by the Ukrainian Secret Service, the SBU. We, we found Aaron's name in the Twitter files. Mm-hmm. as a, on a list of accounts that the Ukrainian government wanted um, wanted removed. Now, they didn't do it. Twitter, to its credit, didn't do it, but the FBI passed that note on. And so GoFundMe has already had a series of episodes that have been politicized. We had the Freedom Convoy last year, at the beginning of last year, where something like $10 million uh, was raised to, to basically to support the, the protesting Canadian truckers in the, in the beginning of last year. I think it was actually $7.8 million. And then GoFundMe put a stop to the fundraiser. But worse, I believe they identified the, the, they identified the donors, did they not? I, I don't, yeah, I, I'm not... They must have because those donors were then tracked down by some of them by journalists. So, um, you know, something along those lines. But they but they did this in conjunction with Canadian uh, authorities. You know, they issued a statement saying we now have evidence from law enforcement uh, that the previously peaceful demonstration has become an occupation with police reports of violence and other unlawful activity. Um, so. There, at least, they cited violence. Remember, there was another incident a couple of years ago that people forget about. I, I thought this was a significant, serious incident, but nobody talks about it because this is, issue was is so radioactive. But Abigail Schreier, the author of the book Irreversible Damage, which looks at the trans movement and really mainly focuses on the question of you know, why, why more young girls now are transitioning in a world where previously, you know, mostly it was happening the other, in the other direction, right? It was young mm-hmm. men who were trans, transitioning. That book right. became, it was denounced as transphobic. Uh, Amazon refused to uh, run ads from her, um, her publisher, Regenery. Kirkus, which reviews everything, did not review her. Uh, there was an uprising at Spotify when she went on the Joe Rogan show. But then, just sort of quietly, amidst all of this, there was a group that tried to raise money because she couldn't advertise on Amazon. There was a group that tried to raise money literally to buy, to rent billboard space to publicize mm-hmm. her book. And GoFundMe shut that down, too. Uh, now, there have been other incidents, but this this is a... This is a significant step forward because there couldn't possibly be anything like a legitimate reason uh, to suspend the GoFundMe uh, campaign paying for legitimate reporting uh, of a website that you may disagree with, but they haven't been convicted or even accused of a crime. And they're saying openly that this is external forces that that are making this decision. Since when is that okay? This is a dramatic step forward in terms of like the suppression of speech in this country and really everywhere. 
once they could, once they get a lock on the money, that that's when it becomes, you know, irreversible. I think. Okay. Well, I I, I don't um, acknowledge or cede the legitimacy of GoFundMe's past demonetizations. Oh, um, no, I don't either. I'm and, just saying. And, and, yeah, and I don't, and I certainly don't in this case. Okay, so we're back, and I have some thoughts about, you know, this scenario, this uh, deplatformist sanctioning. That's essentially what's going on here, is that GoFundMe is being um, twisted by some, they, they say it's an external force, but what it is, is it's just another unaccountable pay and payment platform, and you have to think about the forces that twist these platforms. And they are shareholders and they are foreign investors. I'm not saying that those are, are the only uh, people that they are accountable to. But mainly when you are a public company, it's shareholders, your investment investment board, and, um, and a select group of... Um, leaders that make determinations about credit and finance. So these are pay platforms that are trying to control narratives selectively. In these cases that have been exhibited, I don't think that there is a a real uh, fault here. I think they are testing whether or not their architecture works on people who are voicey from within their clique that don't agree with them. So in communism, from what I've observed, and it's not all all leftists or communists, I know that there is and will be distinctions that are made, but humor me for the moment because in global politics... The people who are used to screwing and twisting this way typically are CCP or PRC operatives. They want and they train other governments to do likewise using the same tools. So the idea is to get platforms to intentionally identify with a political party, especially where the money is involved to intentionally identify or self-declare with a political party. In business, you don't have to do that in America, but they're trying to condition the environment so that you, in order to get credit, have to identify with the party, okay? And the thing is, is people in business don't really want to do that. You know, they want to sell stuff and focus on what they're doing. You know, they don't necessarily want to give all their power to the man, and go play with the man in order to do business. But that's how they do it in China. So I'm just, you know, hear me out. Let me clear it out. Um, so if, if the business environment in America is being conditioned to be hyper-politicized, they're going to start testing their efficacy or their ability in these platforms. Meanwhile, you've got Gina Raimondo, which was, you know, undercovered in the news and covered in the news, but Gina Raimondo goes to China and she's trying to smooth things over because they're 
their economy is collapsing. Why is their economy collapsing? Because their factory sector is suddenly very not busy. And I think the reason why their factories are not busy is because brick and mortar got sick and tired of the way that they leveraged their powers during the pandemic. And, you know, it may also be felt by many and said not as much overtly. I hear my amen corner uh, that, you know, the Chinese took advantage. They took advantage of the systems that were insecure in our local government. You know, they hid in the ranks with uh, advanced persistent threat attacks, laid in wait, and sent in their criminals, uh, criminal partners in Nigeria and other places to go, go raid our personal information and then turn around and try to turn that into yuan. Okay, and what you get in return is a counterfeit credit profile on behalf of the Chinese government. Congratulations, that's what you got for the pandemic. So everything you say and do online uh, in the one-sided crab trap that I discussed uh, on Liberty in Many Directions, which is my substack, SheilaMDean.substack.com. The one-sided crab trap, which are these platform gluts, you know, where they, it's just, just filtrating all the information about you and what you give up and you're trying to overshare and share all the sharing. Well, that's a, that's a data collection on you, okay? Um, and then they turn that into a commercial profile that generates you on. And how you get a value is by your participation in that system. Well, you didn't want to participate in that system, so how the hell did that happen? Well, the, the Chinese government is really grabby with both information and power. So they, they want to make you their citizen by proxy. And they're, you're not. You're not their citizen. But once they have that, they, they go back and shake that voodoo doll at, at Washington, D.C. and say, look, I got you. I got all your people. I got a different composite on all your people. See what I can do. See what I can do. And so Gina Raimondo goes over there and she's trying to smooth it out because the factory people and the brick and mortar people are sick of this stuff. They are tired, tired, tired of being twisted and manipulated by PRC China. And they had their boats sitting out there in the LA harbors for months at a time because they couldn't get their act together and they were trying to kill our economy. Well, you better believe now that COVID emergency is over, there are consequences. And they moved that factory business right out of China. It's now in Bangladesh and Vietnam and Thailand and in Latin America. And there's a reason for it. And that is it. Because of all the rotting goods and services that didn't come in, sitting out in L.A. Harbor during the pandemic. That's why that happened. There are consequences. So there's no factories. There's no money coming in from American businesses now. And so they're collapsing and they call it the real estate market. Okay, quick. You know, Evergrande was an issue before this, but Evergrande was not helping, you know, to park uh, rich partisan money in real estate because they don't want it in the banks. That's the one way that they kind of 
allow for wealth to, to be sustained, they buy these big empty buildings and then they don't, uh, then they don't do much with them. So, <clears throat> you know, there's a few people in Washington state that, that really emulated this business model and people who are into power tend to emulate hard power. The relevance of soft power is that people will, will walk in the door, they vote for you, they give you their participation, and they're happy about it. They, they, they will put their weight behind you because they believe in you, they believe in what you're doing, and you don't have to use coercion and force, torture and the otherwise, to get them to participate. No, no, no. You come in the door, good faith, and you put your trust in somebody because you, you feel like their cause is the same as your cause. And for the longest time, you never had to explain that because that was the architecture of our U.S. democracy. And, you know, I hate to use the tired out term that I've heard on, this is a subversion of our democracy. Well, you know, the, the, the media parrots and little parakeets who've been using this term, the subversion of our democracy, um, I think they're... You know, it's a little bit inverted the way that they're pre presenting it. Um, they, they want you to only think of January 6th as the event uh, for the subversion of all democracy, all U.S. democracy, and everything is funneled towards that one tiny lens. Democracy is way more broad than the way it's being defined and cut down into this one little cake decorator funnel that they've got you on. So the broad definition of US democracy is where you choose your leadership. That's it, it's super simple. You and many others in a community go vote and you choose the leader of your community. That's how it works. That's democracy. Functional democracy is where the people in that community get a vote, they vote, the votes are counted, and the winner wins, that's it. So the contest of elections has become this, this massive uh, thing. You know, every election has a contest at the end of it, usually by the loser. And I've said this repeatedly. And if I'm receiving any consequences, it's because I'm pointing it out. I'm pointing out the obvious, and that's typically what I get hauled on the mat for. It's because I tell the truth and about the very obvious things. And the very obvious thing here is that the, the magnitude, the mushroom cloud of relevance that the government makes out of what is terrorism because they can put a terrorism label on anything because it's a political violation. And when I learned that, um, it, it was really tough because terrorism is supposed to be presented to this public as, as you know, an angry man in a turban and a dark beard who's trying to kill U.S. civilians in, in arcane bombings. Yeah, that's, that's a vector of, that's a true vector of, of terrorism. But political terrorism is also putting an APT attack in our networks and um, committing financial uh, coercion on companies and telling them who they can and cannot do business with in America because they don't like their politics. That's terrorism. But it's not couched that way. 
I think that the Chinese are terrorizing Americans financially. And that is exactly how they're doing it. They're going to our online companies. And I'm going to come back to Gina Raimondo in a minute. They're, co- they're going to our companies and saying, listen, if you don't obey party parity for our business process, and of course they can, they can materialize a new business process overnight that makes it more considerable and considerate to their party, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Okay, they can do that overnight. And they can do it to where it fits for them, but it will screw our interests here. And that's what's been going on for a long time. So they do these these conditions, uh, uh, BCRs, business continuity response, and then everybody goes into a shock flurry at the, at the top of the company. Oh, God, we got to conform. We got to conform. We got to appease because we got to keep this money coming in. And usually it's the tech companies because they get their money for nothing. And when I say their money for nothing, I mean their money for data, which is surveillance. And then they scrape it all up and throw it in front of China. And China just gives them yuan. And they just take it to the data exchange market and they turn it into U.S. dollars. And then they come back rich because they surveilled you. And they sold you to China over and over and over again. Because that's all you are to them. Now... Here's the thing with Gina Raimondo. Gina Raimondo went over there to soothe the Chinese economic partners. And she said, we won't decouple. We won't decouple from China financially. As reported at Bloomberg Tech. We won't decouple. Our technology sector will not decouple from China. Okay. Here's what that means. Since the factories are leaving, they cannot force... It's decoupling organically. People are like, well, we're done with China. Bye. We don't want to support this anymore. Bye. So, the only vector that they can really squeeze up on, because they are desperate right now. China is desperate for cash and currency flows. Before the debate, last week, while I was just kind of doing nothing on the couch, channel channel surfing, because that's what you do on a vacation, uh, I stopped at C-SPAN, and there was at least two and a half hour uh, congressional hearing on China's economy. And this is what was playing all the way up until the Fox News debate. And I think every Republican debater that was on that stage concurred that China is the threat. The the threat to our economy, the threat to our way of life, you know, and the, and the threat is, is communism. The way that they do things. Um, but they won't call it terrorism because... Tax sector. Tax sectors make a lot of money. And Gina Raimondo... Went over there to just just soothe. Soothe it all over, saying, Oh, we're not going to decouple. We won't decouple, no! Because the tech sector is how they make money from your surveillance data. So, I know I'm saying the same thing a couple times, 
it's as if that people don't understand, but the whole point is that they do. The songwriter, Oliver Anthony, Richmond North of Richmond, is like, they want total control. They want to watch everything you do. They think that you don't know, but I think you do, and I think you do. And if you don't, I'll explain it again, because I always do. So, here's the nut. The tech sector is where they're going to, to express their desperation as an economy. And what they are doing is they're going to, to, to people with uh, secured investments in China for batteries like X and Elon Musk and saying, okay, okay, unless, unless you do it the Chinese way, then... Uh, and, and make sure all these, these, uh, these gawkers online and these influencers online conform and come on down to, 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 to the lowest common denominator, the equity of expression that is Chinese, where they conform and shut up when we tell them to shut up. And we, we screw their money and we cut them off. You know, unless they do these things, you know, we won't be able to do business. And I, I don't think that's so. I think we've got them in a corner. I mean, it's just a matter of perspective. X is an online company that needs China more than we need them. Okay? They operate on a data surveillance model. Okay? If you never agreed with this model, which, you know, they never called you into a room and say, hey, you know what we're going to do with your data is we're going to give it to China by proxy and make a bunch of money off of it. Okay, they never called you in a room. They never said it was okay. Uh, GDPR is the closest thing we ever get. Like, if I configure my VPN to a, to a European country, that's the closest I will get to saying no to that entire surveillance economy. Because they're not the only people who use it. The U.S. Department of National Intelligence and their giant umbrella of mass surveillance also uses that as some sort of spectral economy. They want to see all and know all and force you to get online and make you do everything online. Okay, it is a trap, all of it. So my thought here is that if I didn't want to participate, they've conditioned our entire economy to go online for, for all things on Earth. Uh, and I think that that was, is always a bad idea because we're one we're one keystroke away from like an EMP attack or some uh, electronic attack that fries all electronics, and then we're back to the Stone Ages. Okay, being over reliant on artificial technology, artificial intelligence, uh, all these created systems, the over reliance on on things that will do well in space. Uh, when you live here on Earth, and the compulsion to 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 endorse these systems, no matter what, wh whether you benefit or not, and e even when you don't, okay? Because I can think of many platforms where people say, "Engage, come in, do do your transactions. This is going to be great. It's going to get you ahead. It's gonna it's gonna make your life better." It makes their life better because they've got your data and they can turn it into money. But when you start saying things that China or some other, you know, shareholder partner that, that you know, will kind of 
put the bag over their head and say, it's China's fault because it's them doing it too. They figured out that China can do it. Well, they just do what China does. And they're like, that's when they all started to want to, to play at being like China. Because China could, could leverage this type of anarchistic control over, over users and businesses. Well, they want to do that too because they're bad people. Let's just lay it out there. They're bad people. You know, people with, with true morals who, who want to present well, and you know, they're like, well, well, we are in charge of the terms of service and we can change it any time we like and you will be the receiving end of it and that's how you'll like it and that's the way it is. That's... What is that, kids? That is an autocrat. And you do not have to put up with it. You don't. So there's a choice to be made. In the next three months, China's gonna have to, to really scramble and they are gonna they are gonna squeeze hard onto technical platforms for money. US technical platforms. So that means that there's gonna be a run on your personal information. Period. They while Gina Raimondo was in talks, okay, Security Weekly published that there was an ESG attack, not the not the environmental uh, governance model uh, used in finance. This is the email server uh, ESG. Okay? And they had diverse APT attacks or advanced persistent threats. Like I said, they, they sit, that's their style. The Chinese like to sit in the networks and nest, make a little nest there. And then when they're ready, they'll just take all the data. Okay, and they attacked. They finally attacked. Why? Because they needed the money. They needed the capital from identity to keep their economy going. Because it means more to them than it does to you. So they will rob, steal, and pillage. And they will screw up on these companies who have, leg who have ties in their EULAs to keep going. Okay, so here's the key. If a tech company has an end user license agreement or terms of service agreement that allows China as a third party to transfer your data and turn it into cash, then that is going to be the vector for them to survive. So any platform, and I'm beginning to see the problems. Uh, all these platforms are saying, oh, we're having a security issue. We're having a security issue with, with your email, with your email identity. And now I'm beginning to see transparently that this is a problem because there's a, maybe GoFundMe has a little bit much too much investment laying around with China. Okay? You know, or their partners in Europe or otherwhere similar okay because they use the same mo and x same mo if they're they're making noises like okay if your profile is commercially commercially inviable meaning like you're not generating enough data for them to to make it worth their while to feed china's surveillance economy then or to prop it up don't prop up china's surveillance economy like, oh, we can hurt him now by not participating. So if there's a counteroffensive 
to deplatforming, you can just say, okay, you want to squeeze up and ring out my data and tell me what to do and choke off my voice anytime you, you well please and call it a security response? Okay. Die. I don't want you to feed the surveillance monster over in the PRC. I want their economy to collapse and I want to be left alone. I've been screwed with long enough and they can just not have any data. So if their economy collapses, which, you know, if enough people decide to just not participate, they just kind of opt out, they just walk back and say, you know what, maybe I'll start a chicken farm. Maybe I will just go dark for about four and a half months online, or maybe I'll just use one platform. Uh, then what will happen is that the data economy will dry up. There will be no new data, and they will have to use or cannibalize the existing data that they have. They will try to manufacture an identity requirement to use the internet because the cost will skyrocket because of the desperation of China to keep the surveillance economy going. Okay? So that's where the impetus for the identity economy is coming from. Okay? Identity is really high, premium, high-grade medical, DNA, biometrics, social security numbers, any kind of government-led ID, visas, uh, you know, driver's licenses, any, anything like that, okay? Anything that can be stolen or used as identity by a Chinese person, okay? Anything. Those, those identity articles, and it won't just be Chinese people who, who, who get this black market economy going, okay? It's not going to be the only one. But if you are dumb enough to be led into the, led into the dark, one-sided crab trap of putting your identity online. If you do that, you will not be ever able to control who gets your information. Because the whole point of putting your information online is that it spreads. You don't have any control. Once it's in a cloud system, you may presume it's not secure because cloud systems are very difficult to secure. The best they can do is firmware. It's improved, but it ain't great. It ain't great, kids. So, the internet's for public information, not private information. And anyone who tells you, this system is private, but they don't use encryption, it's going to be a problem. <sighs> so now is the time to step up your personal security investments. Like when I say your security, your information security investments. Uh, you're going to want to bitlock all of your Microsoft stuff, everything. Phones, you know, get encryption, get VPNs. I mean, sec, sec, sec up. Sec up. Because the Chinese are desperate for your information. They will steal it, and they will screw these tech companies to get it. So I've talked a long time, but this, this is huge. For me, this is the, the crossroads. You know, we can... We can get out of it, and we could crush the, the Chinese economy for mass surveillance that's been feeding this devilishness that has dogged us for so many years, that has corrupted our government. You know, you want to know why the tech companies have so much power, you know, that they manipulate so much grant power and, and money 
to to seduce these packs and super packs, it's because they're getting that surveillance exchange from China. And they don't really have an, another way to do business lined up. If they did, they still wouldn't want to do it because they want the power. They want that power, the hard power, not the soft power that gives you a choice, the hard power that makes you a slave. They like it. They think it's good for them and it's arbitrary and they don't care. They don't care if it hurts you. They don't care if your children kill themselves online. It's obvious. They've done it for years. They're writing on the wall. And we are expected to play into their systems and feed them indefinitely like, I don't know, shadow. And I think it's a wrong expectation as an American. You're a, you're a free person. Don't play into their hands when you don't have to. I'm telling you, you have an opportunity to serve these people what they've been dishing out. And by depriving the Chinese economy of data, it will collapse. And maybe the online services agency will collapse right along with it because they, they won't have another trading partner except for maybe India. But India won't be able to do it without China either, as I suspect. Um... <clears throat> But if, if China's economy crashes, that's what's going to happen. The tech economy will also crash. And when that tanks, that means that there's not going to be a lot of uh, technical assurances around. Um, that, will, that will be significant. And so if you decide to participate in that in terms of a war, which it's up to you. I know what side of the fence I am on if I choose to remove my endorsements because they're going to continue to randomly strangle people who trust their systems, who walk in the door thinking the terms of service and what they're getting on the surface is one thing when it's really another. The people who go, come in the door to fundraise at GoFundMe think it is about getting nonprofit funding for their cause. If someone in the boardroom who is, you know, otherwise inclined can say, this is not a cause that, that, or this is a cause that will compromise our relationship with this foreign actor. I don't like this cause. Get this cause off the table. Um, then they're really not being fair okay and that's an unfair practice and i think the ftc has is is want to look at this level of the economy okay if a foreign actor can come in and change the terms of service through undue influence that is unfair practice on the american citizen okay but they won't call it out unless you do so i'm doing it today they need to change their business model. They need to get off the surveillance train. And if they want to continue to bomb randomly, meaning like they want to sanction whomever for whatever, you can pull out. That's your weapon. 
And it is an economic weapon at this point. Because, just because Gina Raimondo wants to pet and soothe the Chinese economy, which is already decoupling globally, you know, it doesn't mean you have to. Because all they've got left is the technocratic elites over here. And once you starve them, they're going to conform to you. They're going to come back to the table and say, you know what? We needed you after all. You know, I'm sorry we did what we did with your data. Hands in the air. Pants down. Let's figure out a new way. And they have new business models in the wings. They're not using them because of the strength of the system. You know, like, why Why would we change? You know, it's, it's working out for us. We're really rich. We don't need to. Well, they need to. So thank you for listening. This has been this week's edition of the Unsanctioned Citizen. I would, I would uh, throw a lot of news at you right now, but I don't, I don't think that's going to be useful. I think this is more practical than a bunch of dumb headlines that say the same thing. So I, I will put a news link dump in this as faithfully, as I always do. But I think that you will benefit more from having a think with some Yopon tea. And kind of detoxifying yourself from, from the conditions of the online environment. Which is what I did. And it's great. It's great. I recommend it to anyone. May you be blessed. May you be safe. And remember, everyone has power. Especially you. And when you use it, you can crash the Chinese economy. By saying now. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.